good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. We're moving on tonight to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, and so we will uh, once more turn and read the portion together in Matthew chapter 6. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, and forever. Amen. Our actions are a constant reflection of our heart. You think of the very simple words, out of the heart the mouth speaks. That is particularly the case with the matter of prayer, genuine prayer. Those who trust in the Lord, Psalm 62, are those who pour out their hearts continually. The outpouring of our hearts demonstrates our, our trust and confidence in the Lord. How often we pray, how we pray, what we pray, in many ways reflects the condition of our hearts. Now, again, I understand there is the propensity in the life of prayer to hypocrisy. I understand that we are all capable of pretending in the place of prayer. But leaving that aside, genuine prayer is a reflection of the condition of our hearts. Now, if you reverse that order, then I think you'll see the benefit of, at least one of the benefits of studying these petitions. The Lord is here teaching His people what they ought to pray. And thus, what he's saying to us is, these are the matters that ought to be on your hearts. So, do you see that? Your, your hearts are reflected in your prayers. So, if this is what your prayers ought to be, then the Lord, in many ways, is saying to us, this is where your heart ought to be. This is how you should pray. Therefore, this is how you should feel and believe in your heart. The Lord, of course, is not interested in the mere words. We are wrong if we presume that we can simply recite these words and thereby convey some benefit from the Lord. These prayers are uh, pattern petitions. They are given to us. And the key thing, the key thing again, is where is our heart? The Lord wants our hearts. The Lord wants our hearts to be where the words would come from. And so we come to this fourth petition, verse 11 of Matthew 6, give us this day our daily bread, and we come to a very, very simple petition. In essence, we are to pray to God for our basic material needs. This is one of the parts in the Word of God we ought to beware spiritualizing. We understand that Christ is the bread from heaven. We believe that he's the heavenly man sent down to satisfy our spiritual hungers. But it's always been understood in conservative Reformed circles that this prayer is a prayer for physical provision. It's a prayer for, for food and sustenance. 
Uh, let me give you one example of that. It is our, our own shorter catechism. What do we pray for in the fourth petition? In the fourth petition, we pray that of God's free gift, we may receive a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them. And so we're praying for physical provision. We're praying for material necessities. And so if we are to pray this properly, well then where must our hearts be? What should be the disposition of our hearts if we are to pray this prayer in a manner that's pleasing to God, not just simply utter the words? It's not a matter of just coming around the dinner table and praying this prayer and thanking God for the food, but rather, what does this petition say regarding our hearts? So what I want to do is I want to very quickly, I want to give you five words. Five words that I, I believe in, in some way will quickly summarize where our hearts ought to be when we would take this petition upon our lips. The first word is the word priority. What do we view as being most important? This is the fourth petition in this pattern prayer. You remember the first three? Hallowed be thy name. Number two, thy kingdom come. Number three, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I've said this before. I want to repeat it again. We must remind ourselves our hearts must believe that our physical needs are subservient to our spiritual needs. We are those who in our hearts must seek first the kingdom of God. That's true in so many ways, but it must be true in the priorities that we place regarding our prayer lives. Now we understand that whilst our physical needs are important, they come after we've prayed through the matters of the kingdom of God and the glory of God's name and the doing of God's will. This prayer is an encouragement to us. God cares for our physical sustenance. Later on in Matthew 6, that is made abundantly clear, the Lord knoweth that we have need of such things, food and raiment. But in the instruction of prayer, there is again this prioritizing. And there's something that Thomas Watson makes a comment on that I want to leave with you, and then we'll move on. Thomas Watson says this in his work on the Lord's Prayer. When we pray for things pertaining to this life, we must desire temporal things for spiritual ends. We must desire these things to be helps in our journey to heaven. We must aim at heaven while we are praying for earth. Now, if we can keep that in mind, I believe we find that a very helpful consideration. That as we pray for our physical needs, those things that so quickly come to our mind and in many ways dominate our prayer lives, oh, let's make sure that we're praying for those physical necessities, but not to satisfy our needs simply here on earth, but rather to help us as we aim for heaven while we are praying for earth. So there is a word of priority. There is also in the second place, though, there is something regarding necessity. Not only does this prayer show us what we view as being most important, it also shows us how we view our relationship with the Lord in everything. In absolutely everything, we live in a position of dependence upon the Lord. Western commerce, well-filled supermarkets, 
have the tendency to blunt that realization. You go in and you presume that what you want will be on the shelf in the same place it always is. And what's more, you know you're probably not going to take the last one. There's an awareness of an abundance of, of resources. And so we have perhaps been blunted in our minds. And perhaps the truth is we are slow to pray this petition because we don't actually believe we need it. Our daily bread is just there. There is no sense of our hearts acknowledging the dependence that we have upon the Lord. And so what I want you to, to do tonight and in the days to come, as I will seek to do myself, is I want to, to help us to fight the sin of presumption here. Now, we would not become complacent. The shelves that we may find in our supermarkets do not change the truth that it is God ultimately who fills the shelves in our stores. God is revealed in the Word as the provider. Turn back, please, to Psalm 104. Uh, there's more than one reference here. I want to give, just, just, just simply give you, you one, Psalm 104. And the verse number 14. He, that is the Lord, causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. So there is a recognition of the service of man, I'll say more of that in a minute or two, is a recognition that men are used to bring forth the food out of the earth. And you'll see there that part of that is in verse 15, the bread which strengtheneth man's heart. So here's the petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Here in verse 14, it is man that brings his food out of the earth. The bread that strengthens the heart. But, verse 14 says, it is God who causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man. It is God, ultimately, that is the source of all food. And without God, there is no food. It is God who's attributed in Luke chapter 6 as causing the sun to shine and the rain to fall. Science does not remove the truth that it is a personal God interacting with his creation that providentially sustains our physical needs. But the text does show us that God is revealed as the one who provides through the use of means. So whilst we acknowledge our necessity, we should understand that this petition involves, by implication, God's blessing upon the use of means. God has shown us in the Word to give bread as a blessing from work and labor. Genesis 3, 19, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. It's through the industrious efforts of man that therefore there's bread given. You turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28 and the verse number 19. Another reference to, to bread in the, in the Scriptures. Proverbs 28 and verse 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. God has so ordained the affairs of this world that ordinarily he does not send manna from heaven. That was an exceptional situation. 
a unique situation, uh, full of spiritual lessons. But ordinarily, bread comes by the result of labor. Not only true in the Old Testament, but also true in the New. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And the verse number 10, of course, the context here is that there were those in the Thessalonican church who were leaving their work because they had taken a false understanding of the second coming of Christ. They believed that they ought to leave their work and prepare for that, and they were to be, well, they were to be disciplined by the church for, for, for such a misunderstanding of the ways of God. But in the course of the discussion, you have in verse number 10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. There's the principle, the Word of God. If you're not going to work, be prepared not to eat. Now, there's so much you could comment on, couldn't you, regarding the structure of society, regarding how we help others and, and such like things. But there is, there is a principle in the Word of God that whilst we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are not praying for a miraculous outpouring of bread. We're praying for God to bless the ordinary means of labor. Now, we're not all farmers, but it is, again, in God's purpose that he's chosen to, to bless those who engage heartily in agriculture, and we then can we can serve them, and they can serve us, and we can exchange commerce and all such things. You know how it works in a, in a society such as ours. But never forget the principle. God has promised to bless labor to your physical preservation. But all of that, all of that underlies our absolute dependence on the grace of God. So a word regarding necessity. Priority, necessity, mortality. Now this petition says much regarding how we view our bodily constitution. Let me show you in light of these verses just two principles regarding our bodily frame. The body is fragile. We, we pray for daily bread because we cannot boast of tomorrow. That's a simple principle. Give us this day our daily bread. Because Proverbs 27 verse 1 tells us that we are not to boast for tomorrow for we do not know what a day will bring forth. There's a lot of debate regarding the translation of the word translated daily, how that should be translated. Well, a number of years ago it was found on top of a piece of parchment and that parchment seemed to have a shopping list. Today's needs. Not, not shopping for a month, but shopping for the day because that was the, uh, the pattern and the practice. And so we're praying this prayer for physical needs. And as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. May it remind us, may it always remind us that tomorrow is only tomorrow by the grace of God. And we have today by the grace of God and that we are inherently young and old alike. We're marked by fragility. And tomorrow may never come. Young or old alike, none of us know what is lurking within our physical frame that would terminate our lives with one beat of the heart. So remember, 
When you pray the simplicity of this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Remember, please remember, our body is fragile. But we're also to remember that the body is ours to look after responsibly. This prayer reminds us that, that God expects us to act responsibly to preserve our mortal frame. We, we are to ask God, give us what we need for the well-being of our body. That's what you're praying for here. Lord, give us what we need for bodily preservation. It's the instruction here. We're conscious of our mortality, but for the provision of God. Therefore, it is God's will that we look after our bodies. In all of our insistence upon the importance of having your soul's health considered, it should not, should, not be, should not lead to the conclusion that we can neglect the welfare of our physical frame. The Sixth Commandment, and our Shorter Catechism's commentary on the Sixth Commandment, says this, what is required in the Sixth Commandment? The Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not kill, of course, requireth all lawful endeavors to preserve our own life. All lawful endeavors to preserve our own life. There's a sense in which we understand that the commandment not to kill has an application to our own physical frame. It's inconsistent to pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and then engage in habits that are destructive to the body. Smoking, alcohol, drugs, even misuse of food, all of these things are detrimental to our physical frame. And so we're praying on the one hand, Lord, preserve our bodies. And yet with our actions, we're denying that very prayer. It's a, it's a very important application. The Lord is telling us, pray for your body's preservation. Give us this day our daily bread. And therefore, we have the responsibility to care for our mortal frame. We understand that even in, in 3 John, there is the praying for bodily health. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So there is something here regarding our mortality. There's also a word regarding quantity. How do we view our future needs and our future condition? This petition has a lot to say about contentment. Two words, daily and bread. Not a retirement fund of gold, but daily bread. We're not to ask for wealth and abundance. We're to ask for a competent portion in the language of our catechism. I want to just read to you a number of verses. We're going to read through them quickly. If you can follow along, fine, but uh, you can listen otherwise. Proverbs chapter 30 and the verse... And the verse number eight, Agar's prayer, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Oh, the wisdom of those petitions. If we could teach our kids that petition, that they'd understand the importance of having a competent portion, a sufficient portion, a convenient portion. Not that they would know poverty and steal, but also not that they would know fullness and deny the very being of God. 
There is wisdom here. Give us this day our daily bread. Paul, of course, knew that in his own experience. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer needs. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So he says, before all that, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Contentment is commanded to us in the word of God, having food and raiment. Let us be therewith content, First Timothy 6 and the verse number 8. It's tied to your relationship with Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, the verse number 5. And let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I encourage you to take time to go through those verses again. In terms of our spiritual needs, we can ask and ask and ask and more for more and more of the fullness of Christ. We should never be content regarding or feeding upon Christ. But here there's a contentment in the physical realm. Lord, give me as you see what I need. That's the spirit here. How often we find ourselves in our life, if, if only I had this, I'd be better. I think it was Rockefeller was asked, when will you be content? And his answer was just, just one more million. And that is the spirit of the age from the, from the youngest child. You know, they, they get so much and they say, well, if I only had this. And the grown-ups, how guilty we are, it is the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and that hath no sorrow with it. So it is a word regarding quantity. And finally, uh, let's note, please, this is a word regarding community. This is a corporate prayer, isn't it? Give us this day our daily bread. Companion. The word companion is from the French. It is to share bread. From the French word pan for the bread, it's to, to share bread. As a Christian church, we are involved in Christian companionship. When we're praying, give us this day our daily bread, there's a sense in which we understand our need to, to share what we have for the provision of others. Because we have in the Word of God not only the principle that God provides food on the basis of industrious labor, but we also have the, 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 the principle in the Word of God that God is pleased to provide food through the benevolence of God's people towards those who have genuine need. You think of James here in Hebrews, you think of James chapter 2, and you have the very issue of a generous spirit in James chapter 2 regarding the issue of food. James 2 and the verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and hath no works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And there's no rebuke given here. Here's a brother or a sister destitute of daily food. And there's not the spirit given to us here that says, well, it's their own fault. If only they'd worked harder. If only they'd went to college and studied more properly. If only they'd done this or that or the other thing. No, there's a recognition that sometimes brothers or sisters will be destitute of daily foods. 
You know, the prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is a confirmation of our right to ask for it. The answer, as all prayers, are within the will of God. And so there's times that brothers or sisters will be destitute of daily food. And so what's happened, verse 16, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. There's a resistant spirit. I'll pray for you, but no action. The ones who know the grace of God, who know true and saving faith, are those who then show that in a benevolent spirit. And so we have James or Ephesians chapter 4 and the verse number 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. That's the right spirit regarding capitalism. If you steal, steal no more. Labor. But labor not simply for your own prosperity, but labor that you would know prosperity for the well-being of others. That you have that benevolent disposition that he may have to give to him that needeth. As we have opportunity, do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of the faith. Galatians 6 verse 10. I love the way that it's put in Proverbs 22. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. And so, it's a very simple petition. I've summarized it very quickly regarding some of the heart dispositions that ought to underlie this petition. We ought to pray for God to give labor. It's right for God's people to pray for those who are out of work that God would give them work. It's right and proper for us to pray that God would bless our labors. It's right and proper that we should give thanks to God when He blesses our labors. We should acknowledge these things and in it all understand that every single thing we have comes from the gracious hand of God. If we believe that due to sin we deserve hell, then anything outside of hell is grace. And may we have that spirit in our hearts and that we would then rightly value God and rightly praise God and live that life that is thankful for all the blessings we enjoy in and through Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.